So today, I want to kind of—I told you it was going to be a two-week uh, thing, and I do need a timer today, especially, so please put something up there so I don't—you know, just put the time up there, please. Um, yeah, I knew that was going to be what happened. So, uh, I, I, I talked last week on a subject, and I said it's going to be uh, continued this week. Last week, I talked about how to deal with, uh, with things that are debatable— Meaning, meaning out, of, out of Romans chapter 14, there are things in the Bible that are not clearly stated. It doesn't say right or wrong, like it's just kind of debatable subjects. Uh, for example, like, you know, should you participate in war? Uh, that's, that's, the, that's a subject that you can take either side and looking in the Bible. Uh, Paul was talking about, you know, uh, uh, eating meat or being a vegetarian. That was one of the issues he was dealing with of that day, you know. Uh, and there's so many different subjects. Tattoos, divorce, uh, you know, just the list goes on and on and on about things that are not clearly stated as right or wrong in the Bible. And I mentioned that, that, that and how to deal with it. And basically, I kind of gave you four principles that you find out of, out of, um, uh, Romans chapter 14. First one is to accept one another, uh, not judging, just accept those who you think are of weaker faith. And what that means is those who uh, you're convinced that you're right in your mind, you think you have strong faith, that other person is, thinks they're right in their mind, they think they have strong faith, so you with strong faith bear with the one you think have weak faith. Accept them. Number two, be convinced in your own mind. Now, if you remember last week, I said, you know, this is kind of going to be, you got to put your thinking caps on here. It's not like, uh, as I said, I'm not going to give you a rah-rah sermon today or, or last week. It's more teaching that I want to do because right? this is so important. So you need to be convinced in your own mind, which means you should study and research and listen to both sides of an issue and learn about it and know that, and, and, and actually you've really... If you're, you can be convinced about the subject that we're, ta that you're, that we're talking about. It's like, like, for example, vaccinations. I get all quiet as soon as I said that, you know. Wearing masks. All debatable. All debatable. And I sit and I look. There's debate going on right as I look. But you need to accept those whose faith is weak. Be convinced, so you should study. And you don't study by just looking on social media and saying, that's what social media believes, so that's what I believe. You should be able to actually argue both sides, even if you're convinced on one. And then knowing, once you're convinced in your own mind, that you will stand before God for what you believe. It's an important one. Stand before God for what you believe. And then the last one, which turns your head into knots, which is the most difficult one, is the one that, like when you start out on these others, they're all about self, 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 the first three. But the last one does, deals with community. Don't put a stumbling block in front of someone. That's a tough one. And I, I received a text. I asked him if I could share it. I received a text, uh, uh, this is Monday or so, uh, on this subject, because I just said, hey, what did you think? He goes, let me, let me you know, it was really, it, he needed it, he said. He said, I needed it. It was very important to me. He said, this message was very important to us uh, to remember what the goal uh, is and not to allow the enemy to divide us over silly divisions. One note I might add is that you always have to prepare 
uh, you, you always have to be prepared to the subject uh, of what you're convinced of. You have to be, know in your own mind, but you also to what God might call you to do. I didn't even add that. That's a really good thought. So you might be convinced in your own mind on a debatable issue, but God might speak to you and say, I want you to go this way. I want you to do this. It's not sin, because we talk debatable issues are not sin. I'm not talking about sin here. Really good. I really like that. So you have to be prepared if God will call you. And he gives an example. He said, I'm pretty uh, adamantly against the vaccine, but God called us to leave the country in December and, and instructed us to come back. So while I was against it, I was required and subject to, uh, to subject myself to God's call. So I needed to submit to God's call over what I was already convinced of in my own mind. Woo! That's some good stuff right there. I should, you should have sent me that text. I won't even look. I won't look at him. You should have sent me that text before I preached because then I could have used it and said that was mine. That's good stuff. So you always have to be listening to what God wants you to do. Always. So the the goal is that we need to move, we need to, so, so, that's, that's the, so that's it. So we talked about debatable issues last week. This week I want to talk about what I would call non-negotiables. Non-negotiables. How do we deal with those in a community? You know, because the goal is we want to move, as a community, I think we want to move, a move of God to change the world, Right? Can I get an amen? We want God to move in such a way to change the world. No? You guys? We want God to move to change the world? Eventually you'll say amen. At least three people got it. That's what we need, right? We need that kind of change. And, and I think, and I think what the world needs is to see a community of believers who are sold out for him, who are completely sold out. I think that will change the world. It can change the world. Twelve people were sold out for God. Then in the upper room, 20, 120 or so, maybe a little bit more, were sold out for God. They, impact, they didn't just impact a, a community. They changed the world. And the only way that's going to happen is if we have a community who's following Jesus with everything we got, who's, who's walking in an unselfishness, sacrificial love. Can I get an amen? Living out holy lives so that the world can see what it's all about and being completely sold out to the cause of Jesus. I think that will change the world. Can I get an amen? And so I want to talk about community and how community deals with, uh, with non-negotiable things. And I'm going to get to what I'm talking about in a minute. But I want to start off by saying this. There's a phrase, uh, I don't know if it's in Indonesia, but I know in America they use it. Uh, practice makes perfect. You know, it's a lie. It's not true. It's not true because I go to the golfing range all the time and see guys practicing. And what they're practicing is they're practicing imperfection. And they are grooving. They are actually learning the wrong way. Practice does not make perfect. Perfect practice makes perfection. Right? That's the only way. You need, you need to be doing it right in order to get it in your life to keep doing it right. If you don't know the right way, you can practice all you want. 
it will never make you perfect. And so, you know, what, how do we do this? How, how do we get to this, this place? Well, I mean, I just look to athletes. When athletes want to become great, when they want to be the best ever, the best ever. So, for example, uh, you know, in, in years past, Tiger Woods, I mean, being, if I stay on golf, Tiger Woods was probably at, at one point, the be- he was definitely the best ever at one point in his career. Do you know what Tiger Woods had? He had a coach. He had a coach. Why? What does a coach do? A coach watched him and says, hey, Tiger, did you notice that when you're doing this, blah, 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 you know, it, it makes your swing wrong. I mean, a coach, uh, they, 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 athletes have coaches for almost every area. From mental, They have psychological coaches for golf, guys. They call it, you know, they, 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 golf psych, psychs, that's what they do. They go to them because they're mentally, it's important. I remember this one athlete, this one uh, uh, basketball player, uh, you know, I don't know if you watch basketball, but like when he shot, he would shoot. And then after they shoot, they, you know, they slap everybody's hands. And he, he started missing, missing a lot. And the coach was watching him. He was actually a, a free throw coach. And he was watching him. He goes, you know why? He goes, why? He goes, because you're moving too quick to shake, to, to shake people's hands. You're going too fast. Just shoot and wait until the ball goes in and then move. Boom. Percentage went 20% up. You need a coach. If you want to be perfect, you need a coach. Those coaches will help you in everything. Music, everything. Even in life. Now, I'm not telling you to go out and get a life coach. Actually, I'm saying that in community, you have coaches all over the place. Especially when you're in community that cares about you. Like small groups. Those are all coaches. They know you. They help you. You know, I got a coach sitting right here. I, you know, honestly, I've said this before. I'll say it again. That actually, to be honest with you, when I am speaking, there really is only, well, now there's probably two in here, maybe three now with the kids, but we, don't count the kids. There's really only one person who I, who, who I care their opinion. I care about your opinion. I want to listen to your opinion. But what I mean is, if she is going like this when I'm saying it, she knows that I'm practicing it at home. Because I can fool every one of you. I can't fool her. She's my coach all the time. Remember one of the first times we first went out to dinner? You know, I'm, I'm not one of the most formal guys, and I do a lot of things wrong, you know. And so we were out at the thing, and I said something to the couple across from me, and it wasn't the right thing to say, and she kicked me under the table. And, and, and me being who I am, I, I looked at her, I said, why are you kicking me? <laughs> so you kick me again you know. <laughs> but like she helps me she will actually get in the car at times and as I'm driving away she goes Donald you didn't treat that person right you were, you were wrong there you know and so I received that she helps me to become perfect and community is meant to help each other become perfect that's what our goal is so I want to talk today about how you correct or coach someone when they're not living properly. It's right in the Bible. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 says, Brothers and sisters, 
if someone is caught in a sin, and, and let me just define sin for you. Sin is very simple. It's missing the mark. God has a target. He has a way he wants you to live. And when you miss that, you call it sin. Be it attitude, lifestyle, all different things. When you're not doing what God wants, not only are you sinning, but you're not living up to the potential that God has made you. So don't get all nervous when we use that word um, because we all do it. You who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently, gently, gently. But watch, watch yourselves or so you may be tempted. Carry each other's burden in such a way to fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they should take pride in themselves, uh, excuse me, they, they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to each other or to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. The goal is to carry your own load. Nonetheless, the one who, who receives instructions in the word should share all good things with their instructors. So that means you can actually tell me if you don't think I'm right. And I have people who challenge me on thoughts, and I'm fine with that. I love it. I think it's good. But Paul is being very practical here. Uh, you know, in, in a season that we're in, in the world, in the season we are, it's just hard to live the way God wants us to live. And so we need help. And what happens is the Bible wants you to carry your own load. What that means is he, the, the Bible wants you to stay in the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. What happens is I'm walking... Uh, hopefully I'm walking in that, in that way, and I'm walking the way God wants me to be. And every now and then, you know, I, I, I give in to the flesh, or I give in to something, and, and I walk outside of that. And when I walk outside of that, that's sometimes I don't even know I'm doing it. That's when I need help. What's the, what's the goal? What's the goal? The goal is to, is to restore me back to the proper way of my design. To restore me back to the way God has called me to live. He's called you to live a certain way. Why? Because that's the way he designed you. And when, you, when you're not doing that, the goal always, always, always is restoration. Always restoration. So I, you know, I, today I want us to kind of think about these questions. Uh, in, in 2 Corinthians, it says, examine yourselves. And sometimes we need to examine each other to see whether we are in the faith, to test ourselves. Or do you realize that Christ Jesus is in you un, uh, unless, of course, you fail the test? So, so it's good to have someone, a community, to help you with that. Not to judge you, not to beat down on you. That's not the goal. The goal is always restoration. Now, look, you know, in my life, I've had many uh, spiritual people approach me and tell me that I dress wrong, tell me that what I, the way I speak is wrong, uh, to, to, to help me. They, they say I'm, I'm worshiping. I've had people tell me I worship wrong, like my actions are the wrong way to worship God, uh, that I, you know, that I shouldn't run around when I speak. That the one main person that says to do that is the camera person. They don't like it. They keep telling me not to. So they, you know, those are not, that's not what the, that's not, those are, 
Those are not the things that we should be busybodying about. You know, those are the things, those are, those are ridiculous things, and that's not what we should be doing. That is not the whole goal. So what are the things that people should help us with? And, and what is the right attitude to have when you're actually going to correct them? Those are the two questions I'm trying to answer today. What are the things? Well, again, I'm going to say, I have to say it. It's so important that the purpose is, of correction is loving restoration. It's all about restoring. It's not about finger pointing. It's not about judging. It's not about... Uh, 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 um, making people feel shame. As a matter of fact, when you're correcting someone, if shame comes in, if you're the one bringing shame into that situation, you are correcting incorrectly. And a great example is what Jesus did. It's a really good example. Remember when the, there was the adulterous woman? So they bring this adulterous woman in front and, and, and they're going to stone her. You know, and so all these priests are, they're the ones bringing shame. First of all, they pulled her out. She was probably naked. And they put her in front of everybody. And then they all taken out stones saying, adulterous. So this is all the wrong way to correct. So what did Jesus do? Well, I'm not going to go into the story, but I'll say this. The first thing he did was he took condemnation away. He took it away. They all left. All the condemnation that was surrounding her, all the people who were finger-pointing and putting shame on her, he got rid of all of them. So the first thing he did to restore that person was to take condemnation away. But he did correct her. He said, go and sin no more. See, he was correcting her. So that is the proper way. That is a great uh, model for us to start with, that the goal is correction, but taking all the condemnation away so that they can be restored to Jesus, restored to the right way of living, restored to a good relationship in God. I'll never forget, I was so worried about this one time where I, I, I've told this story before, where, where I was so, like I was a young kid and I had done something just wrong and, and, and I, I needed to confess it. And I waited till the guy put a big meatball in his mouth so he couldn't say anything quickly, you know. And then I told him right after he, like, put that in his mouth. And so that way he couldn't, you know, he, I figured he had, he had to swallow first. And he put it in his mouth. I told him what I did. He didn't even change. He just took his time eating that thing. And, you know, you know, and he swallowed. And he goes, okay, well, let's just, let's just fix it and let's see what we can do. I, I mean, no condemnation. I felt so free. I felt so relieved that he didn't point his finger at me because all, for the last, you know, few weeks I had been pointing the finger at myself. And I was afraid to tell anybody. And he set me free from condemnation and then said, okay, we got to fix it. And he brought me through. He brought me through restoration. And he, and he helped me to understand the things that I needed to change in my life to make, uh, make my life better and to be closer to Jesus. That is the whole goal. And so in verse 1, it starts out, it says, you know, it says brothers or brothers and sisters. So I want to be clear here. We're talking about believers. We're talking about community. So, and I don't even want to go outside this community. I, I think sometimes maybe it's not our place even. I'm talking about brothers and sisters. That means people who are close to us. So if you're not close to someone, it's going to be really hard to do. So I would say before you ever try to correct someone, get to know them. 
really understand who they are. And that goes all the way back to what I said a few weeks ago, you know, be curious, not judgmental. So I really want to talk about believers, like our community or a community of believers that you're in. That's really what she, the setting he's talking about. And, he's, and so the first thing he says is all about attitude within the community. We have to have a certain attitude in the community. And that community is supposed to uh, spur one another on to faith and good works. So I like it. My friend, Wes, he's a friend of mine. And, you know, Wes and I, we will go at it sometimes. And Wes will correct me. And I'll correct him. And, and we'll argue about what is correct. And, you know, but we're, we're close. And I'm not afraid to tell him things. The other day I sat with someone, another friend of mine, and, like, I said, I just need to, to ngomel. I need to just vent. And he goes, go ahead. And I didn't just tell him, and he was helping me through things. So we, I'm talking about a community that has an attitude to build each other up so that we come to perfection. That's what Ephesians chapter 4 says, until we reach unity of faith and become mature. Uh, verse 14 says, we are no longer infants, but we, in verse 15, we speak the truth in love. Every, you know, and become a mature body, we grow and build itself up in love. That's the attitude a community should have. And I'll tell you, I don't, oh, okay, I'll be quiet. I mean, I, I, I really despise uh, when, you, when, when I hear, I, I grieve when I hear people say they went to a, a church community and they felt condemned and they felt you know, judged by the way they looked, by the way they acted. And if you, you don't know how to deal with that, go back to last week and listen to it. But, you know, like, we can't, that's not the community that we need to have. That's not the community at all. It needs to be a community filled with love that spurs one another on to maturity. It says in verse 2, if anyone is caught in a sin, let's be honest, none of us are perfect I'm going past this a little bit. But there are times. So like, for example, my, my grandchildren. I watch my, I watch my, my, my son-in-law and my daughter uh, train up their grandchildren. You know, I try not to get in the way. I just give candy. I just give the candy. I'm the candy, candy man. That's what grandparents get to do. Right? And, 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 they're, and they're trying, you know, like, they, they, right away, they're already teaching them the courtesy things, you know, please and thank you. And so they, you know, they hand them something, and, and of course, the kid doesn't say anything. They say, thank you, and then, uh, then they repeat. And, and so they're teaching. It's a natural teaching thing. That's what happens in community. We should naturally be teaching each other how to walk in faith. It's a natural thing. It's not something that needs to always be corrected. But there are times where... The kids are nakal, the kids are naughty, and they're like really naughty. They're, they're doing something wrong. Sometimes they don't know it, sometimes they do know it. And, and, and so my son-in-law or, or my, my daughter will take them and sit them down and, and they'll say, look at me. You know, and then they'll have a face-to-face -face talk. In the same way, that's the way our community should work. Our community should work where we're just walking along, helping each other out, you know. Steve and I are just kind of walking along, and, you know, and I, and I don't act proper, but it's not like a, you know, any, he's like, hey, Donald, don't do, maybe you don't do that next time. Maybe do it this way, because it'll, it'll encourage someone. I'm like, oh, thanks, man, you know. But then there are times where, like, I'm not gal, and Steve just has to sit me down and go, 
Pastor, I have to have a talk with you. We all need that. That's what coaching is. And we all need that. And so let's talk about the, uh, the receiver first, the one who receives the correction. Because there's an attitude that a receiver needs to have. And I love, and I don't have, I'm running out of time. Oh, my God. I'm not even halfway through. I love what Pastor Herman said to me yesterday. It was so good. He says, we have our image in Christ, who God wants, who, who he made us to be. We have that image. I love this. And then he says, and then because of insecurities or sin or, you know, imperfections and things in our lives that we're not willing to face, we actually have a distorted image of what he really, so we're walking in this rather than in this. And then what happens is, because we're afraid and we're insecure, we build like a jaim and we, we defend. We defend ourselves, right? And he said, I love what he said. He said, you know what you're doing when you're defending this? You're not defending your image. You're defending the wrong image. That's like, woo, that's good. That's really, when, you, when you're that way, when you're defensive and someone's about to correct you and you put up all these defenses, what you're defending is not the image that God wants you to be. You're defending the image that is the wrong image. That's good. That's really good. So when you receive, you need to receive in a way to be able to handle it. Proverbs says, a correction to a wise man, it's my favorite verse, a correction to a wise man is like a kiss. Correct a wise man and he will become wiser. Better an open correction than hidden love. It's, it's so important that we receive. Uh, Proverbs uh, 9.20 says, Listen to the advice and accept correction, and in the end, it will make you wise. Even Sidney Mohedi said it in the workshop on Friday. He said, you need to be open to receive correction. Need to be. So uh, we should want to receive correction. Don't let pride deflect it and, and be defensive. Be willing to receive it. Humbly ask for an evaluation. That's even easier. When someone needs to correct you, it's even easier if you say, before they ever say anything, hey, how am I doing? Employers, you should ask your employees every now and then, am, how am I doing as a boss? What can I do better? And they'll turn around and say, give me more money. No, I'm talking about being a boss here. And employees, you should, you do evaluation, you have evaluations with your employer all the time. It's important. We should be able to be willing to receive it. Remember, your growth is not only for you. Your growth is for others. And when you're not acting properly, you're hurting other people. So you need help. Hebrews 12 says, No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who are trained. I like that word, trained by it. Trained by correction. Now the giver. The giver, the one who's giving the correction. It says, you who are spiritual. You who are spiritual. Who is spiritual? Let me just kind of give you a, a kind of a definition. One per, a person who is flowing in the gifts of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience. I've already mentioned those. 
One who has the mind of Christ, the heart of God. One who has the heart of the Father to forgive, to restore, to be patient, to be kind, to be gentle. It's very important when you're giving. uh, As a matter of fact, I would even tell the giver, if you start giving a correction and that person starts getting very defensive, I I, I think what the Father does is he just shuts up. Because God does that to me all the time. God says, Donald, I'm like, not listening. All right, I'll just wait. I'll wait. I'll wait until you come to ruin, and then you cry out to me, and then I'll talk to you. So the one who is spiritual is the one who should be correcting. So, you know, you need to be aware of, your, of their own. Oh, so that spiritual person is aware of their own need for forgiveness. And they have to watch out that they're not tempted. They need to, the person who's the giver, this is the giver of correction, should be one who, I know this is very teachable. It's very teaching today. Sorry. I'm not sorry, really. Um, commitment, to, it needs to have a commitment to Christ likeness. So I remember my brother, before he was really serving God, was like, had a double life. He was very hypo- hypocritical. And he was trying to tell my brother how to live. And my brother said, when I start seeing you live that way, I'll stop listening. If you're not following and you're not trying to be Christ-like, then, 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 then you should never be correcting because <laughs> you're not in the place where you can. Finally, the, well, not the final characteristic, but a big one is humility. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one needs to test their own actions. So you need to be humble. You need to humble yourself before you ever correct anyone. And I would say the final quality is that you need to love the person that you're correcting. This is why I don't think sometimes outside the community that you're in you should be correcting. Because you don't even know them. You know, if if you're friends and you love each other, then you can correct each other. But if you don't love them, I mean, you're, you're just a judge, man. Don't do that. And again, finally, I'm just going to stop here because I'm running out of time. The goal, the goal is to restore a person's relationship with Jesus. I can't tell you. I, I could sit and give you example after example of people who helped me be relieved of the burden of shame and guilt I had for the things I did wrong but didn't do it in a way that condemned me, but brought me closer to Jesus. And I thank God for them. I thank God for them. I'm so happy when they do that. And and, and I have friends here in this community who I can go to. I mean, you know, I'll just reference one. Arnold. Arnold is like, uh, Arnold and I, every now and then, Arnold will call me. Donald, I need to come over. I know what that means. He needs some help, you know. So we go and we talk. You know, but there, I'll never forget that one prayer night where I was right over here and, and I needed prayer. Desperately, I needed prayer. I needed help. And Arnold just took me in his arms and he just prayed for me and, until I was restored. We all need each other desperately. That's why when we have disputable issues, like, like meaning issues that like of lifestyle that have nothing to do with sin, just let people live the way they live. It's okay. But when they're non-negotiables, we need help. 
When we're not living properly, we need help. Help not to feel condemned, but to get closer to the one who loves us. Let's pray. Uh, actually, before we pray, I'll just say this, that, you know, this week um, in, in our connect groups, because we have some, our connect groups are pretty tight with each other. I'm actually going to ask them to sit and, 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 and let people coach them. Let people, let their friends evaluate their lives and help them see the flaws in their life. And I would encourage you, if you don't have a connect group or whatever, go to those who love you, those that love Jesus, and sit before them and, and say, evaluate my life. Help me to be a better person. Help me to have better attitude. Is there things in my life, behaviors that I'm doing that are, are hurting me and others? that are hurting my relationship with God. What better way to learn to grow in, a, in an environment of people who love you? And if you don't have anyone, you can call me. And I'll help you as best I can. And I always tell people, you can tell me anything because I forget everything. <laughs> Lord, Difficult subject, Lord. Difficult. Search our heart, O oh God, and see if there be any wicked way within us and lead us to the path of the living. Lord, help us to examine ourselves and each other in such a way that we bring a smile to your face that you're pleased with us as individuals and as a community. Because, Lord God, we want to see the world changed to impact and, and know you, Lord. 